Tonight on This is Vinyl Tap. Once upon a time, in a small Midwest American city, two high school buddies got together and started a band. They met with success. Soon they had changed American music, but trouble was on the horizon. Before long, the band split and something amazing happened. This is Vinyl Tap, and this is Album Wars. I need a camera to my eye. Wind, take your troubles away. May the wind take your troubles In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice. Only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This is Vinyl Pat believes every album tells a story. You can increase your listening satisfaction by learning the stories. And tonight we're going to tell you one. In the ruins of Uncle Tupelo, two bands emerged. And tonight their top albums will battle it out. Sunvolt with Trace and Wilco with Yankee. Hotel Foxtrot. Tony, why yes. is Sunvolt so great? That, that's a, that's kind of an easy one for me to answer. I, I think um, the last album that's, that Uncle Tupelo did, Anodyne, I think a lot of people think it's their kind of crowning jewel. Uh, Sunvolt was a continuation of that, um, but it I think in a lot of ways bettered it. I think that, that first album by Sunvolt, Trace, may be the best modern incarnation of what Graham Parsons was trying to do when he was trying to meld rock and country and soul together. It just really, really knocked it out of the park. Um, and that band, you know, Jay Farrar's uh, the, the, the guy who formed the band is a bit tenacious and they haven't strayed much from that, that formula throughout most of their career. Um, with hits and misses and a lot of people have issues with it that being said uh you know uh to quote the first album i don't think you could look for a truer sound than you have on uh have on that album well jm it seems to me that wilco deviated much further from uncle tupelo than sunvolt you agree with that wholeheartedly i think that if you look at the first the, the first two wilco albums they really did sound like a Sunvolt album. They did sound like an Uncle Tupelo album. Like I think the first two albums by Sunvolt sounded like an like Uncle Tupelo albums. And I think that once you got to Summer Teeth, something happened and Jeff Tweedy just became enamored with the bigger sound. He became enamored with the what you could do in a studio and began experimenting with different um, textures and sounds and different keyboards and synthesizers and even you know you can even um, with summer teeth you can there was a horns 
on on some of the songs. But with this one, I think that this is one of the most perfectly realized albums I think I've ever heard. The the sound textures I are just mesmerizing. They add so much to every song. Let's talk about Uncle Tupelo just a little bit to set the uh, stage here, because that band was groundbreaking. It had a, a big cult following, and the critics adored it. Can, can y'all tell us a little bit about Uncle Tupelo? They became kind of the darlings of the uh, Midwest college scene circuit, um, and they were kind of young themselves. What was it, 1987 was when they were formed? Yeah, so the first they, album came out in 90. Almost every song had this uh, strumming acoustic guitar and strumming electric guitar. The the reason why people sort of glommed onto them, if you will, is there was a weird thing happening in the late 80s where punk bands were discovering country music and finding a kinship there between traditional country artists and what they were, I guess, trying to say in their in their, you know, punk stuff. Um, mm -hmm. There are lots of bands doing that. I mean, Uncle Tupelo was not the first band to kind of take that harder edge. I mean, Jason and the Nashville Scorchers did that. The Longriders did it to a certain extent. But no one did it as earnestly, I think, as as Uncle Tupelo did. And I think that's what caught people's attention. It's funny. Jeff Tweedy used to say that uh, they couldn't he didn't think they were that influential because the band to him sounded like a band trying to figure out if they were a country band or, or Dinosaur Jr. Jr., um so uh but uh i i think you know i think he's downplaying that 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 first album is amazing and everything they did is really amazing and they were really really able to take that like i said that graham parsons idea of melding country music with more kind of modern rock sounds they just went the country route really rather than the within the r&b route and created something unique and something that was uh you know uh they weren't super popular, but boy, were they influential. Sure I mean, they yeah, but Tony says reminds me of something I heard about Dwight Yoakam when he used to play. He'd have an audience full of punk rockers watching him at some point. <laughs> I think it's yeah. fair to call Uncle Tupelo the Velvet Underground of the Midwest because almost everybody that heard him really wanted to adapt their sound. I, I, I played in a band for a while where we played Gun off of Still Phil Gone. And then uh, that that uh, Anodyne album, which was huge, uh, that was filmed right here in, uh, or part of it was filmed right here in Austin. That which recorded. opinion makes us sort of experts on this whole issue um <laughs> let's let's get into these albums now 
Uh, JM, you introduced me to this Yankee Hotel Foxtrot album. I asked you for something to listen to while I was in San Francisco driving around in a convertible. It's a horrible town for a convertible because if you're close to the ocean, you're cold. If you get far away from it, you're hot, and the roof's going up and down the whole time you're driving. That's another <laughs> story. But I listened to this album, and it was not easy for me to get into it. But because I had such great faith in you, I plugged away, and then uh, at one point, it was Jesus, etc. Jesus, don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want. That got me hooked, and uh, not long after that, Every time I listened to this album, I would get stuck in it and would not be able to move move on. The very first song, I'm Trying to Break Your Heart, just sucked me in immediately. out of it uh, and that it just there's just so many little textures in it so many uh, subtleties in it like the way that the shaker goes you know one to your right side to the left side and your earphones the white noise at the end i just it all that just sucked me in immediately but then when i heard poor pa- poor places i thought that's one of the greatest songs i've ever heard it's the most one of the most perfectly realized songs i think i've ever heard it's my father's voice drilling off, sailors sailing off in the morning. Through the air conditioned rooms at the top of the stairs. It starts in, with, in one way and it ends in a totally different way. Now, while you were making that speech there, J.M., Tony was throwing up into a trash can. Um, <laughs> Tony, you did not have the same reaction J.M. and I did to this album. Uh, no. I, can I speak to Poor Places just as an example? Um, so, you know, I listened to this album a lot over the last week or so to, to kind of get prepared for this podcast. And, uh, you know, Doug was kind enough to encourage me to listen to certain songs that'd be more kind of in up my alley to, to glom onto. Um, but the interesting thing about poor places is this about two and a half minutes into the song, there's a 30 second snippet of absolute melodic brilliance. Makes no difference to me. They cried all over on the sea starts off with the and it makes no difference to me that 30 yeah. seconds is amazing and the rest of the song ruins that for me 
absolutely ruins really? it. It's nothing but noise. This reminds me, this album reminds me in a lot of ways of Big Star's third. I don't understand all the praise it gets. It's difficult yeah. to listen to. It's uncomfortable to listen to. The songs that are good to me are good in comparison to the ones that are just a lot of noise and nonsense. This is my opinion in my ears. Um, I think a lot of it feels like it rests on the on the way what happened to this album where the band lost its record deal because of it. They released it for free. A bunch of people got onto it. And it feels like an album that critics didn't want to diss. So they heaped all this praise on it. I, I don't I mean, I really am honest about this. I want I want to understand why this album is so great because I don't get it. It's not tuneful. Um, it's 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 all. I, I don't understand someone that says you got it. You got to have patience and listen to this. I shouldn't something be pleasant to listen to right off the bat. I just was rereading a saucer full of secrets, which is a Pink Floyd biography. And they talk about Sid Barrett when, when he's in the throes of his acid fueled breakdown and he'd get on stage and he'd play this stuff that to him sounded brilliant. But anybody else on acid was going, what the heck is this? They couldn't get it. That's what this sounds like to me. It's like poor Jeff Tweedy was in the throes of whatever addiction he was in and thought all this stuff sounded fantastic. And then, you know, a discerning ear listens to it and goes, this, this is just look, Wilco fans have been given some vault the, the business for years for being mopey and and droney. I think they doth protest too much because this album is very mopey and very droney. In a lot of places. I, I, I could not disagree more. To me, this, especially with Poor Places, Poor Places to me is like Day in the Life by the Beatles. Oh, it's Lord. just cool sound effects. It's got just a, a killer chorus. I, I know the part you're talking about, the, but the way that that goes into that part to me is just sheer, sheer, sheer brilliance. And the way that the instrumentation just changes um, I just find that brilliant. That's just a, it's a stroke of brilliance to me. Speaking of yeah. brilliant, I, I just want to jump in here uh, and explain what's happening. I figured out Jeff Tweedy's brain. His philosophy is deconstructionalist. He uh -huh. takes everything apart, and then when he sees it's apart, he starts trying to put it back together. He goes, what? Oh, it's falling apart. I need to get this back together. Um, so, you know, my best example is, uh, in that, and another album, uh, that song, uh, theologians or whatever he goes, yeah. I don't need some theologian to tell me about me. And then in this song, he says, I would die if I could come back new, which is exactly what the theologians were probably saying. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's his view of the world. And, uh, it's a little nihilistic and, uh, he does the same thing with the music. At the beginning of the music, it's uh, cacophony and, and uh, uh, yeah. the, it's the, the without form. And then yeah. it falls into form and achieves what are actually very uh, good uh, hooks, good tunes. And then it comes apart again at the end. And almost yeah. all the songs do that up. I don't disagree with that. I think that's right. I just don't I don't agree that that's something that's pleasant to listen to over and over again. Um, 
I, it's funny because I like, I want to talk about poor places because it's a song that just kind of struck me as kind of the song that it's interesting that it's what you think is the best song on the album jam. Cause it's the one that struck me as the most representative of what's going on here. To me, it was almost like he couldn't handle that 30 seconds of pure melodic brilliance. He had, he, it was too much for him to get and he had to do something to screw it up. Um, cause he just couldn't, he couldn't handle that. He made something that beautiful. <laughs> and I, that to me seems, I mean, that sounds awful, but it seems like that's what his mindset was. I think, uh, when, when Doug told me that, to, that, um, he got it with Jesus, et cetera, I think it's the best song on the album. It's the one that definitely is for someone like me would, would sound it from beginning to end. It's a song. Um, I also find it interesting when I was reading about other people's reactions to this, the majority of people who love this album hate heavy metal drummer. I miss the innocence I've known Playing kiss covers beautiful and stone Which is a, a, a nice little catchy ditty, but that's why they hate it, because they... It. They like this album because it's not catchy. And it's almost like it's a badge of honor to love this album because it's so difficult to listen to. You're hip, you're cool, you're with it. If you can say, oh, yeah, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, man, that's brilliant. I, um, I would agree with you on Heavy Metal Drummer. I think if someone uh, doesn't like that song, they've decided not to like it because they understand yeah, I, it. It's happy. Um, it's, it sounds it's like a, a little song. sentimental. It sounds like a kink it's a, it's, song. It's the most straightforward song on the album, too. You, you, one of the things that you talk about, uh, about songwriters, they can just be clear. They don't have to obfuscate. They don't have they, they, to me. This album is full of that. It's like Jeff Twitty's just throwing out. I assassin down the avenue. What the hell does that mean? Heavy metal drummer is the most like that's the one where I can just actually picture myself being in the crowd, seeing that and. Tony, like you're saying, I would be the same thing. I would, it'd be like me watching a kink show. That, that's, it surprised me. And I think I, I tweeted this or, or texted this to Doug. It surprised me how much, I mean, I've listened to Uncle Tupelo forever. I've listened to several Wilco albums, not this one that much until recently, how much Jeff Tweedy sounded like Ray Davies. And in particular, that song, the phrasing and everything about it is very kinks-like. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the song uh, Camera is also very uh, attractive it was one of the first that pulled me in i need a camera to my eye to my eye remind him which lies that i am that's not too uh too cryptic like the rest of the album is one of the things that uh that uh Tony struggling with all the extra noises and static and ladies going Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, all of that. Apparently, Tweety used to have a shortwave radio and they'd be driving around in a car and he'd be forcing people to listen to noises from his shortwave radio. So this is something I guess that is pretty deep into my fascination that's that's deep with him about these noises coming from the other side of the world. Now, I told you it took me at least four listens to get into Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Uh, that's not true with Trace. Uh, the first song on Trace captured me 
in probably four measures, and it is one of the most accessible songs in the world, and yep. uh, unlike many accessible songs, it doesn't get old. Now and then it keeps you running Never seems to die Trail spent with fear Not enough Living on the You don't get is, tired listening to it. Is there a yep. better is there a better opening track for an album in the last 25 years? I find it for me. I don't know if there That's, is. I'm, I agree with you. That is a fine, fine song. That I, I, I really like that. I, you can't come away not singing that song in your head when it's over. I, I, I really think this is unfair. I mean, even if Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is Wilco's best album, uh, I don't know how you compare it to this album at all. This album, this album, song by song, is brilliant. I, you know, it's funny. I, I this just came to me today. You know how we've we've briefly touched on sequencing of albums and you know song order or whatever. This seems like this album it may be the epitome of sequencing for the CD era. This album is, is perfect from beginning. It doesn't it it doesn't fit with you know side A mm -hmm. side B. It's a journey yep. from song one to the very end of the song. And and the way it's sequenced is perfect, uh, including ending yeah. with that that fantastic cover of a Ron Wood song. No one mystifies me like you do. This is why I always look at you, and I'll hold you to it every day. about a rolling stone what can i say um <laughs> but um but I, you know trace to me is a, is like a concept album it doesn't really have a, a story from beginning and it's not telling a story like ziggy stardust or something like that but it definitely has a theme growing through it which is this this idea of the road being a way to kind of escape there's a lot of, of about that there's a lot of about um you know uh the the idea that of of life being transitory in nature and that kind of like i said the cathartic escape of the road and it's about loss and all of those songs hit on that in some way or another i mean you could just pull a lyric out of out of your hat from any of those songs and it sounds like poetry it th this yeah. album is so great um it's got emotional depth to it um the musicianship is top notch uh, yep. It's tuneful, it's mellow in all the right places, and then it rocks in all the right places. And I listen, one of the things I think that's that's kind of um, threw me for for the the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is songs like Pot Kettle Black. I think are are not they they would be better songs with someone else singing them. You are so oblivious to Tweedy's voice on vocals on that song just don't do that song any justice it's a good song it would be better if someone else sang it Ferrar's vo vocals on this album are fantastic well um, let's stop let's stop right there Chris I think that his voice is a little bit in the same category as Wilco's funny noises um <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I liked his voice. I, I find his voice very appealing, but I know people that just think it's too weird and uh, too far from what they uh, like to hear. Um, I I do think it's it's there's no is there anyone that sings like that? No, and, I mean, it's and I completely to, original. I used to say to my wife, I I'd listen to that guy sing the phone book. That's how much I love his voice. Right. He his it gets a little old to me. It, it's just it's, he seems to have the same delivery with almost every song. You know, I even, I, dis, I disagree, JM. We know. I, I just, um, <laughs> Let me let me ask another question. I think that we can agree on this. Is there another album that makes you want to uh, get in your truck and drive through West Texas more than this one? <laughs> Maybe Viva Terlingua, but that would be it. The, yeah. uh, for for those uh, non-Texans, we've got a lot of people from all over the world. Uh, when you uh, get in your car and drive through West Texas, there's, there's not very much. And uh, it's a great place to... Listen to music to let your uh, thinking just kind of float away. And that's exactly what this album does. It's a highway album, if I ever heard one. So tell us about the hit, Drown. What's wrong? You're causing it. Drown. Didn't want to turn that way. You're causing it. Drown. Doesn't make a difference now. You're causing it. Drown. Silence knows. Can't drown. I think that was radio on the kind of the dying days of grunge looking for something that would fit that, that mold, but it's not grunge at all. You know, it's the, it's no. really, it's really the epitome of what they're trying to do here with the, the, the heavy kind of rock sound with the country, uh, influence. Um, to me, it's the perfect realization of an uncle Tupelo song off still Phil gone. Is like that album. That song could have just been thrown on that that album. I became a Sunbolt fan before I became a Wilco fan. Off of the strength of that song, this is what I want to keep hearing. I'm sorry, Uncle Tupelo broke up, but I get to hear songs like this now. Cool. I, I think a lot of people felt that way. Jam. Uh, you know, Brian Henneman from the Bottle Rockets was playing on the on the. Uh, he was recording with Wilco on AM, and and the first time. The first time they heard Trace, because they were recording on it, and he said he was a little bit nervous, but everyone else was fine. And they somehow got record a recording of Trace, and he said, "Oh," <laughs> and everybody <laughs> said that when they heard it, they thought, "Oh, we have got to step up our game because this we can't compete with this." Um, and I think it's, they're right. A AM's a fine album, but it is not this album. <laughs> well, I think the fact that we're comparing uh, an album that came out. Uh, what that, almost this, 10 uh, years later yeah 10 I, years after it took uh it took it was six years later it was six years later no it, it came out in 2000 what one 2002 right it was right after 9 11 i think yeah it was, right it was, after, it was april of 2000 this, it was released online in um september of 2001 and it was released. oh so you're right it'd be six years you're right anyway sorry Dan. Um, they it took it took uh, Wilco at least till Summer Teeth to come up with the five star album. Both these albums are given five stars by almost everyone. Um, yeah. Tear stained eyes, Tony. I I love that song and I think it's perfect for his voice. 
Walking down Main Street Getting to know the concrete Looking for a purpose From a neon sign Yeah, well, it's it's a perfect title, too. I mean, uh, it's hard for me to listen to that song and not have a tear-stained eye, so to speak. That That's song is, uh, JM's territory there, Tony. I, I know, I'm sorry. But that, that, song, that song gets to me every single time. It's... it's yeah, it's it's a it's the best song on the album. It's a fantastic song. I I will agree, give you that. Not as good as Poor Places, but it's a fantastic. Song. It's so it's so much better than Poor Places. I'll tell you, my favorite song on Trace is Loose String. It's not the best song, but it's my favorite song. It hits that spot with what they're trying to do. And uh, and then my favorite line, I just got to say this because it's my favorite line on the album is from Too Early, where he says, uh, like to hear your story told with a two-step beat and rhyme. Could be Tennessee or Texas. On and on that road winds. I mean, come on. There's nothing on Yan- Yankee Hotel Foxtrot as good as that. <laughs> I'm going to give you I'll. I'll- give you credit yes that's very true i always even i could tell the j for our songs versus the jeff twitty songs because the j for our songs were always lyric wise a little more realized a little more um seemed like he spent a little bit more time writing here's lyrics than well that being said i mean you know uh black eye that uncle tupelo song black eye that jeff tweedy does is an just an incredible song lyrically and everything i mean he really he could do it you know he i think he was just I think Jay Farrar was more of an ego. I think he out, you know, tried to kind of push him around a little bit. I think Jeff Tweedy is much more laid back than Farrar was. Probably why they they disbanded. One of the reasons. One of the big differences in these two bands is <clears throat> Jay's got a guitar style that you can recognize and hear immediately. If yeah. Jeff Tweedy has a guitar style, I have no idea what it is. Other than he's a little bit like Tom Petty in that he takes some simple chord progressions and makes really interesting songs out of them. Uh, And they're they're very um, they're simple chords, but they're very uh, unpredictable changes with those chords that uh, I find very attractive. Now, Tony, this is dangerous here. he does uh, sound a little bit like Neil Young and Crazy Horse with that <laughs> guitar stuff. Um, and, you know, I've always talked about the three saddest days in rock and roll. Uh, when Buddy Holly died, when the Beatles broke up, and when Neil Young decided to play a lead. I think Jeff Tweedy likes to just mess around with chords. And when you just mess around with chords, it doesn't really matter what instrument you're playing. Uh, I least had strong guitar players in his band. Um, yeah, he's never he's never been the lead guitar player in his band. And for good reason. And yeah, it's like Doug said, I can't really tell. I can tell a Jeff Tweedy song, but I can't tell a Jeff Tweedy guitar part. Well, 
and you guys you guys have a point i mean you know it i do think it's more interesting what wilco has done i mean they have they have spread their wings and tried new things i don't always like it and in the case of this album it's hard for me to like a lot of it uh the one we're talking about tonight but i do respect that i mean jay farrar is kind of stuck in the same place um and while i like yeah. that place and i'm not i'm comfortable with him being in that place and i and and it doesn't bother me I think it'd be interesting if he did something else every now and then. Uh, didn't he do a solo album where he was did do some weird stuff with a with a bass? Yeah, and, and it was off. It was awful. Sebastian. Was it really? Yeah, it was a, oh, a, yeah. Couple, a couple of decent songs on it. But again, you know, this may just be me. You know, I'm because of where I come, my background, my my my. Uh, maybe I'm just shallow because I like the power pop stuff and I like the tuneful stuff. It's difficult for me to get into anything that remotely, remotely smacks of avant-garde or experimentalism. It just doesn't. I mean, my grandmother used to say, you know, people's tastes is some people's taste is all in their mouth. Um, which I kind of, you know, I mean, people, people like heart and they like Portishead too. I don't get that either. So, <laughs> well, there's uh there's something they said about, uh, this album not being for everyone, um, th there's a couple of funny things. Number one is the, the name Wilco. J.M., I don't know if you realize this or not, but that does not stand for Williamson County. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, Will Comply uh, in military shorthand, and that's exactly what this band never does. Um, <laughs> they, they got Jim O'Rourke to... Uh, produce this album and he says if you get me to produce it you're you're uh top you're uh, you're gonna lose your contract with the record label and that's exactly what happened because they heard all this stuff and thought this is not gonna sell there's no there's no hit on this uh record and they did lose the contract and they did not comply so uh it's not yeah, immediately accessible to everybody, and I'm, I'm sure there's some people who would uh, never, never get a yeah. hold of it. Well, you know, they had to pay for the mixing on their own. Jim O'Rourke so, did a lot of it for free. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting that you say "will comply" because I think that's exactly what AM is about. That first Wilco album is Jeff Tweedy trying to make something he wasn't comfortable making. He was okay. done with that. He was done with the Uncle Tupelo stuff, but he knew he had a fan base he had to please. And while I again, I like that album a lot. Um, it 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 definitely sounds like his heart's not in it. Well, uh, it sounds it, it it doesn't it sound a little bit like he doesn't know who he is yet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and then the following album, which is a double album, being there, right? That's when I kind of lost interest in them because they started embracing a Stones sound. I don't knock jeff tweedy for trying new stuff i think it's fantastic and i think summer teeth is a fantastic album this is the one i just don't get and i wish i could i wish i could figure out what i'm missing why i'm not smart enough to like this album <laughs> Damn, um, if i'm a if i'm somebody that hasn't listened to to yankee hotel foxtrot and i say okay i'll give these guys a little bit of a chance and you're one of these download guys they're not going to go by the record yet Tell them three songs that they should uh, listen to to get a taste of the album, and don't don't give them the most complicated, hard to like that takes nope. seventeen likes to get into. Okay, war on war.
that's a pretty accessible mm-hmm. song. I would they say. They tried to make that a single. Yeah. I would say camera. And I would say I'm the man who loves you. Those were like the most accessible songs on the album, I would say. All right, Tony, your turn. You have an easier job, though. Uh, the The fact that Trace wasn't a huge, um, excuse me, the fact that uh, Windfall wasn't a huge hit, it's. I don't understand the universe. Um, I don't understand that either. Well, again, you got to remember when this album was released, it was at the tail end of kind of the grunge thing. And that that kind of stuff did not get radio play. You know, songs like Drown did. If I was going to pick three songs, boy, uh, you know, I don't want to just go with mellow songs, although I think Windfall, Tear Stained Eye. And then I I think I'd say uh, I'd say Route. route yeah route's great um yeah so those those would be um it's funny that it's funny when jam was talking about the three songs he didn't pick um he didn't pick jesus etc because i think that's by far the most accessible song on that album i agree really Uh, but i i gotta tell you that i have to be careful with the yankee hotel foxtrot because when i start listening to it I, I find it really hard to stop listening to it. And one of the things that uh, it it messes with my brain, it's like it scratches a little itch in my brain. And all those weird noises are part of that scratching. I find that I find almost all of the tunes very catchy once once I caught on. Um, but they weren't immediately accessible like the ones on Trace. The reason why I like this album the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot album so much is it's like, have you ever been like at a hotel or just sitting around on a Sunday afternoon and all of a sudden a movie is on TV that you have, you've seen a thousand times, but all of a sudden you just say, Oh, I just want to hear this one. I just want to see this one scene. Oh, let me just see this one scene. To me, this album is like that. Well, okay. I just came in the middle of camera, um, Oh, what are they doing? They're playing the whole album. Okay, I'm I'm stuck for the next, mm-hmm. you know, forty five minutes, and I, I don't get the same thing with Trace. To me, Trace, like, well, I can come back to it later. I'll I'll listen to it. Uh, yeah, I Trace is Trace is exactly the same thing for me. I I can't. I mean, I I will admit that listening to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot as many times as I did over the last week, I grew to dislike it less. That's the best thing I can say about it. Um, um, but I cannot imagine myself going, man, I would love to hear Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I just I can't imagine myself doing that again. I don't know what I'm missing. Maybe I, again, I'm just a, a shallow power pop guy, although I listen to I like Prague, so I can't imagine that it has anything to do with that. Hey, this is the most I, Prague album that they have. 
I will say, I will say that uh, the first time I heard, am I trying to break your heart? I thought I need to apologize to the Almond Brothers for everything I've said bad about them, uh, about their long, meandering, boring tunes. I owe them an apology. Uh, on the record, I want to apologize to them because this song, <laughs> all I got to do is play Am I Trying to Break Your Heart? And it'll make me realize the Almond Brothers actually are tuneful, even if they are boring. <laughs> Isn't it possible that we can just accept that one great band became two great bands and we could feel blessed and we could learn to appreciate both albums and each other. Heck, fellas, isn't it possible that what broke up Uncle Tupelo could break us up if we don't learn to accept the choices other people make? And heck, maybe I don't like the same songs you do sometimes, but we can still get together and talk about music I think music's about bringing people together. Well, Tony, I hope you aren't too black and blue from that album war to uh, to bring us something. What what do you have for the kids tonight? Well, uh, Doug, I thought I'd mention something that was released, um, I believe, last year. Uh, I hope you guys don't give me too much of a hard time for this, but uh, Sunvolt put out a new album last year called <laughs> Union <laughs> that uh, that I love. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not a stretch for them outside of the fact that it's kind of politically charged. It's it's uh, you know it's very much about kind of the state of the state of things in in America from Jay Farrar's point of view at the time. Uh, but it's, it's a really, it's a really good song. I mean, great album. If you like, you know, if you like Sunvolt, which I do, um, the first song, just to give you an idea of, of kind of the political, like I said, the political charged nature of it, the, the, uh, the very first song on the album is called while Rome burns. And we fiddle while Rome burns. The estates connect more than divide free will can only survive. So it gives you, gives you an idea. <laughs> That's nothing, nothing has endeared me more to rock and roll superstars than uh, being being given the opportunity to hear them lecture me on uh, on politics. That's always been. Well, I, I, to me, it seems like the the th overall theme, and I, you know, I'm as we've discussed on this podcast because of my inability to grasp uh, Yankee Hotel, Hotel Foxtrot. I'm a bit dense. Uh, it seems like the overall theme for Union is about kind of we all just need to get along and figure out kind of where we all need to go type of thing. But I could be wrong. Well, that's great. Who left Uncle Tupelo? Okay then. <laughs> All right, that's it for tonight's show. Next week, we're going to be looking at the second album from one of the most unusual pop stars to have ever hit the top 40, Ricky Lee Jones and her second album, Pirates. Be sure and look us up on Spotify or your favorite podcast platforms such as iHeartRadio or even Amazon. Leave us a review. We're also on Facebook. 
This is Vinyl Tap. And we're at Twitter at Tapping Vinyl. And of course, you can email us at tappingvinyl at gmail.com. Leave us a note. Please tell us what albums you would like for us to take a look at or just leave us uh, a comment about your favorite parts of the show. And for our friends in Stillwater, Minnesota, we really appreciate you giving us a listen. So for our host, Doug Cooper, our co-host, Tony Slagle, and me, your producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, this is Final Tap, where all the podcasts go to 11. And remember, we're the men who love you, and may the wind take your troubles away. (laughs) 